gathered together this morning. And there's hearts do go out to Peggy Donaldson, Phil, all the Donaldson clan, passing of Peggy's dad, Roy. And uh, we know that uh, God has been very gracious and and uh, loving to them in that situation, and our our hearts are with them at this time. This uh, this series is uh, it's a wonderful series. You're commenting this morning on how nice it is to be able to go through a a, a series that is designed to uh, give us more tools for our faith. Last year we went through the overview of the story, and now we're looking at some of the components of what it means to, to believe. And uh, I, I noticed that uh, Randy, who uh, talks about his key ideas, uh, he said, I study the Bible to know God and his truth and find direction for my life. And that's, that's a real important uh, key idea. And... We got to thinking about how in the world can we communicate that key idea by way of a little introduction. I don't know how many of you have digital alarm clocks. Like some people, you know, so tied into their iPhones and their cell phones that they don't use these things anymore. Um, but there's a few of us that still do. And uh, uh, this was one that actually uh, we got a rather good deal at one of the used valued stores in town and uh, we go to the village quite often and it's quite uh, quite a nice way to, uh, to do some use shopping now this particular blessing came to us a few months back except I called it a curse I called it my demon clock actually uh, we could not figure it out it, it like like it was just a challenging no most timers and clocks are pretty you know intuitive that, you know, you can just follow the buttons and, and program it and get it to work. Well, first couple of days it was going off at all hours and, and it would blast away in the middle of the day, unbeknownst to us. We didn't know why it was doing this. And it's okay if you're not there in the middle of the day, but at 12 o'clock at night after you've just gotten soundly to sleep, it's a little bit annoying. And it gives this real annoying beep, 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 beep. It sounds like the clock from Groundhog Day, really. It does. It reminds me of, a, you know, it's a cold day out there and you got to get your winter woolies on. And, well, those of you who are Groundhog Day fans know all about that one. But anyways, uh, I, I wanted to take a hammer to that clock so many times. I really wanted to just slam it and, and just watch it go. And finally, we said, Becky said, let's get the manual. <laughs> we didn't have a manual. And so when we get the manual and then read the manual, because it took us a while after we got the manual to actually read it. And then, of course, after we did that, we had to try to understand the manual and, and make it so that it was workable for us in following the manual. And I'm happy to say that our demon clock has been converted. And we got a very sound sleep. We did not get any obtrusive wake-up calls last night. The battery that was in it was doing its job. And despite any power outages, it worked fine. And I'd like to use this as a introduction to the importance of the Bible in the Christian life. 
You know, most of us have a Bible. Most of us have several Bibles. Most of us have a Bible on our iPhone and a Bible in our library and a Bible in our study and a Bible in our living room. But the question is, is that Bible just gathering dust? I don't know what the electronic ones do. But definitely the hard copies tend to gather dust if they're not being read and then being followed. And I'd like to suggest today that this is an amazing book. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and sharper than any two-edged sword. But it is piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and the mirror and the discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When you read the Bible, the sword of the word starts to do some things. I don't know how many of you have ever been around a very sharp piece of equipment. But one of the things that happens when I'm around a sharp piece of equipment is I start to worry that I might get cut. And I think one of the reasons why we don't read the Bible is we're worried that it might start to inflict some changes in our lives. This is what the Word of God says. It's going to cut. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So why then do we, do we not read the Bible? I want to ask a few questions, first of all. First of all, why are there so many different translations? That's one of the big challenges to people reading the Bible. You know, I remember one guy said to me, you know, he said, if King James Bible is good enough for Moses, it's good enough for me. I mean, I'm literally saying this is what he said. Now, differing Bible, did you see that bottom word? translations. Yes, it is a translation. The English translation. Uh, what about the next question? Why does the Bible seem to contradict itself? And, and, and there are apparent contradictions in the Bible. For example, you read in Exodus, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. I don't think there's many of us that want to follow that instruction. Now, there are witches in this community, and we pray for them regularly. And we long to see them one for Jesus Christ. But we don't follow that instruction. So why are there some apparent contradictions? Love your enemies. Do good to those that despitefully use you. And yet, one of the prophets was sitting there as his enemies comes to him. And they said, we're here to take you with us to the king. We're 50 soldiers strong. And he says, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down. And bam, those 50 soldiers were gone. So why is it there's apparently what appears contradictions in the Bible. And then, of course, the third thing is, why do I read the Bible and yet I don't understand what it is saying? I don't understand the Bible. I've heard so many people say that. I read it and I read it and I read it, and I just do not get it. Well, first of all, we read the Bible and it must be read. It firstly must be read. So if you're not a reader, I'm sorry, you're going to have to learn to become a reader. I remember there was a gentleman who used to be a part of this work, and his name was Mr. Booth. And he had never learned how to read until he became a converted, born-again believer. He was a, an alcoholic. And when he was turned to Christ, he was completely turned around. And the first thing he did was learn how to read. Now, he read in King James language, these and those and so on. But he read. He learned how to read. So you have to start reading. Those of us who don't like reading need to pray that God will help you like reading. 
because reading is part of the Christian life. The Word of God is living and powerful if you don't have the Word of God in your life. Now, you can do it audibly, but it, it, if you're going to be studying it, you, you have some advantages if you're reading. This next slide reminds us that we are called to read the words. You'll notice first. Seven says, you will teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by your way, when you lie down and when you rise up and bind them as a sign in your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And that's from Deuteronomy chapter six. Right after that, hero is the Lord your God is one God. This is the command given. So we read the word and we Teach it to our children in every circumstance. Some of us just teach it on Sunday, but it says when you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise up. It's all encompassing. Now, some of us in this crowd today are Internet users and some even beyond that are email users and some beyond that are Twitter and Facebook users. And some of us spend hours on the thing. The question is this. How much do we spend in the Word of God? Because by far, the Word of God will bring us much more satisfaction and help in understanding life and understanding God than all of these other things. Not to take away anything from the ministry tools that they possess, but just be careful that you monitor your time before the Lord. In Deuteronomy 31 the command was given that the word of God was to be read every seven years, completely through. Now, remembering this was not the word of God that you and I have. This would be this, the first five books of the Old Testament. This is Moses speaking, and he said it should be read the end of seven years and read it together with the men and the women and the little ones and the stranger that you might hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and observe all the words of the law. Joshua 1, 9 is a very powerful verse as well that reminds us that we are to read and heed the word of God. Have I not commanded you, be strong and be of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But what does it say at the beginning? The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Now, if you just take these comments as a bunch of rules, oh, I've got a new set of rules here. I better get into the word and I better make sure I time myself. I'm going to have an hour a day reading God's word. It won't work for you. But if you say before the Lord, I am committed to take those moments of the day to read your word when there are moments and to take some time to be with you in a quiet time alone. Enter into my war room. Enter into my my little room where I commune with you. You will discover great things will happen in your life. And then Nehemiah, the next verse that reminds us. So we've got a series of Old Testament verses. And Nehemiah, at the, at the exile, the return from exile, it says they stood up and they read the word of the Lord for one quarter of the day. Now, lest we be clear, not clear on this, one quarter of the day is not six hours, but it's actually three hours because the day for the Jewish mindset was a 12-hour day. So when they would say a day, they were meaning daylight hours, 12 hours. So what quarter does that be? But, but when was the last time 
we read out loud for three hours straight. Wow, we, we, we don't have services that go quite that long, do we? <laughs> Aren't you glad? <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, there's some value to reading the word publicly. In fact, even in the New Testament, till I come, give attendance to the reading, exhortation into doctrine, First Timothy 3.13, and then be diligent to present yourself a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But lest we be thinking that it's just reading the word of God that's going to make all the difference. Notice the, the admonition in our next slide. It says that Jannies and Jambres, the, those who were opposing Moses, are like the people that were coming into the church at Timothy's day. And uh, it says they were always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So there must be a corresponding willingness to obey. So how do we understand the Bible? First of all, faith. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please him. But you say, well, I read the Bible, but I just, I just don't really believe these things happened. Faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith leader is low. You need to be reading more of the word of God. And you need to let God remind you that he is the God of the impossible. Uh, in... Um, it's very true in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 12 to 14, that it says that the, the unbelieving man cannot understand. It's impossible for the natural man to understand. We have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God. And it says that the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with the spiritual. And the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God. You know, one of the tests for whether you have actually accepted Christ or not is can you understand through the Spirit, the Word of God. That's a real, that's a test. It says the natural man cannot. For seven years, I was struggling because I was trying to be a Christian when he wanted to become, me to become a Christian. See, I thought I was. And there's a way difference between trying to be a Christian and knowing you are a born-again believer. And so it says in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe. The unbeliever cannot understand the word of God. You wonder why there are so many religions in the world that say they are founded on God's word? It's because their founders were not truly born from above. And you can pick and choose all kinds of things from God's word and make a nice little religion, but it will not be God's way. Unless it's, you are born again. And that's one of the things that Jesus told Nicodemus. Nicodemus, lovely story of that man who came to Jesus by night in John chapter 3. And in John chapter 3, he says, good master, he says, good teacher, rabbi, we know you are sent from God. No man can do these things except he be sent from God. And Jesus zeroes in on him and says in verse 3, you need to be born again. You're the most religious leader in the entire nation of Israel, and you need a complete regeneration from inside. You need a new life, a new heart. In Micah, Micah 7, 7 says, I will look unto the Lord, and I will for, for the, I will for the God of my salvation. My God will be with me. I will look unto the Lord. And the interesting thing was Nicodemus was looking right at the Lord. And he didn't even recognize him. How about you today? You can be religious. You might even be here today. You might even be a, a person that studies your Bible. 
But unless you have been truly regenerated by God's Holy Spirit and born it from above, you are still outside of the camp. You are still outside of the family. So what do we have for tools to understanding the Bible? Very briefly, I don't want to spend a lot of time, but I do want to touch on a few of the tools today. First of all, just like any tools, there are tools that help a carpenter. These are a set of old carpenter tools that help a carpenter do his job. And just like that, there are tools for the Christian. And I hate to say it, but those of you who didn't like grammar and language study, well, uh, you're at a deficit when it comes to studying God's word. In fact, that's one of the first things I discovered. You see, the Bible, the New Testament written in Greek. And let's have a look at what Greek looks like there for a minute. Yeah. It's all Greek to you. It's all Greek to me. That's John 15. I am the vine and you and my father is the vine dresser. You get, do you see it all there? Yeah. Yeah. Sure you do. I can see by the blank looks on your faces. You see it, but it makes no sense to you. It's just a bunch of lines. Ego and me. Yeah. That's, but that's, uh, there's another helpful tool for those of us who don't have uh, Greek language. It's called a Greek interlinear with the English below. Do you see that? There's the Greek on the top and then the language. This is from John chapter 11 and John 11. That's the actual order said to her. Jesus said to her, Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me in no wise shall die forever. Believe thou this or believe, do you believe this? Powerful verses. That's, a, that's really a, a, a cue to uh, something that we need to remember. We have to accept not just the message of the word of God, but how does it change my life? You see, Jesus doesn't want us just to be reading for the academic sake of reading. Oh, I got this. I really I got this. I understand this perfectly. And walk away as if there was no changes. He wants to make changes in our lives. And so it says that there were two of them traveling on the road to Emmaus and uh, seven miles outside of Jerusalem. And as they talked about what had taken place after the resurrection, it says Jesus himself drew near. And that still happens today. When you take your word of God and you read it and say, Lord, please, I don't get this. I don't understand this. Speak to my heart. Open your word to me. He still comes near and he opens his word to them. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And he began at Moses and all the prophets, expounding on the things in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Wow. That must have been a powerful Sunday school class. Here he is talking about the Messiah, the suffering Messiah. Well, those of you who are going to be looking at the Bible study, and we talk about how to study the Bible, one way to study the Bible is in a collective sense. We're doing it now, but you could also do it in the intimacy of a home Bible study, Tuesday nights, Wednesday morning, Wednesday nights, Thursday. Those are opportunities to study God's word in a collective sense as well. And interaction is, of course, encouraged. And you'll be looking at the parable of the sower and the seed. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But I did have a couple of uh, couple of verses. But 
the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. That's so critical. But there are people that say, well, I'm never going to read a commentary of man because the Holy Spirit is going to teach me. And I say, so you're saying that you are better than all the other men and women that God has has seen fit to speak to and teach for all these centuries, and you never read a commentary? And you're saying, in essence, that your connection with God is better than all those other connected people with God. And I don't think that's scriptural either. And so we need to recognize that we as individuals need to uh, study God's word, but never let it be out of context. I have a friend who I love very dearly, but he will not put himself under any other person's direction. He won't read commentaries. He won't uh, study out of those commentaries. And he won't allow himself to be a part of a local church because he feels that everything is so corrupt and he's the only one. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian in God's plans. We are a body, the body of Christ. And we are to collectively work together to learn from one another what God is doing. This anointing, 1 John 2.27, says you don't need anyone to teach you, but that doesn't exclude other people, including good commentaries. Bill McDonald's commentary is an excellent commentary. If you don't own one, I highly recommend it. And uh, let's just move along quickly then to the next few slides. We'll, We'll flip through this. You'll have to look that up on your own. Matthew's account 13. ABC is a Bible study. I love simple little diagrams. And by no means am the author of this one, but uh, A, what is, how do we study the Bible? Always. Always. In other words, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Be ready always to give an answer to the, every man for the hope that is within you. That's found in 1 Peter 3.15, I believe it is. So A stands for always. We alt at all times. We don't stop just because it's Sunday. And what's the next one? B. B stands for believe. You know, it's a great principle in the Bible, and it goes something like this. The world says, you know what? When I see it, I'll believe it. But the Bible says, no, that's an upside-down statement. The Bible says, when you believe it, you will see it. Do you remember the account in Mark's account, the man who came to Jesus and he said, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If you can believe, all things are possible. Get the order correct. Belief is important in our Bible study. If we take something and we simply say, this is good for somebody else in some other generation. This is good for somebody else. This isn't me talking about here. Oh, no, I'm fine, Lord. I'm good. I'm excellent. I'm like that guy that said, uh, look at that publican over there. You know, but I thank you that I'm not like that person. You know, we've got the order wrong. The Lord was condemning that Pharisee. And he was saying, that man who said, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. He was the one that God listened to. Believe. And C, what's C stand for? Well, C is a, is a good one because it stands for choose. Choose to obey. See, there's a principle in Scripture that says it this way. If you are disobedient to God and the things that he has revealed to you in your Bible study, you ain't going any further. You're not going to get beyond that next level. John 14, 
is the, the verse that is really good on that point. Because he says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will love him and manifest myself. I will show myself more to him. Certainly, we need to obey what we know. We are called to draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you, James 4 and 8. Two little electronic programs I'd like to introduce if you don't already know about them. The first one's called, you probably can't see the little top, but it's Burr Bible, which stands for Berean Bible Program. It's a free program. You can download it. It has embedded in the program six translations, English translations of the Bible. King James, New King James, ESV, a couple others. Uh, it's really nice. You can change the translations to get a bit of a sense. You can do word studies. And you can do uh, some interesting collections. So a lot of my studies, I use this program to uh, collect verses and to analyze verses. Berean Bible. If you don't already have it, I encourage you to get a hold of it. There's a second uh, program that's available. It's called eSort. Some of you probably have, have that on your phones or have that in your, in your laptops or computers. Excellent program. You can add modules. This particular one I have has at the top of the page there. I should have brought my little laser pointer along, but anyways. It has a parallel Bibles, ESV, Darby, uh, ASV, Authorized Standard Version, King James, King James Plus which is the Strong's version's link to King James. So you can see the Strong's words linked up, and then you can go down in the dictionaries, and there's a whole series of dictionaries I've added to my version. You, you actually make this, this program, this eSword, according to the devotions and the commentaries and the study aids that you want. You load mo what's called modules, all free. There's no charge for this. In fact, it specifies it should not be charged for. So uh, you can download this as well. And you can see the number of commentaries on the side, Schofield, Meyer, uh, JFB, Henry, Geneva, Barnes, McLaren. And uh, this happens to be Meyer's commentary that I have opened in my little side pocket there. So those are just a couple of the, of the things that are there. But having said that, why do you study the Bible? Ah... Wow, there, there are people today right now as we speak who are seeking gold. Now, some of them are in the mine. Granted, this is a mining community, and I'm thankful for that. But some of them are out seeking treasure um, in a sunken treasure recovery operation. I did some searches, and in July 21st, 2014, this uh, was posted more sunken treasure recovered, 13,500 gold and silver coins found from an 1857 shipwreck. And this particular shipwreck uh, was uh, first discovered at uh, 7,200 feet. And the recovery operations have been conducted until 1991, but then initial recovery operations were halted because the discovery was mired in legal disputes, and then they went back to recovering it again. And so in 2014, they recovered 13,500, equivalent of, I believe it was $1.3 million. They had to go deep to search and receive that treasure. The same is true for you and I. If you really believed what the Bible said about itself, 
you would realize that the Bible says of itself that God's word is more to be desired than gold. Yea, the much fine gold and sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Psalms 19.10. That means that that sunken treasure that took all that time and effort is paled by comparison to knowing God and to knowing his word and knowing his plan for your life and knowing how he wants to put it together for you. And then in the New Testament, there's another verse that goes along that way as well. First Peter, the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, one day, every one of us, I can say without any reservation, every one of us here is either going to be ushered into the presence of the Lord by way of a nice little funeral service where we have a party. Or he's going to call you home and we're going to be out of here in a split second in the twinkling of an eye. But either way, we're going to be ushered into the presence of the Lord. And that day is coming for every one of us. And it is soon because regardless of our life, a hundred years is a small time. If you live to be a hundred, that's soon. And the question is this. What will you have for the master? He gave himself for you and me. Have you grown close to him? Are you in touch with his priorities in your life? Have you aligned yourself with his word? Or are you still living for this temporal life, which will soon be over? And so the question is, what about you? Be present, diligent to present yourself a worker who does not need to be ashamed. I don't want to be ashamed. I'm going to be humbled, and I'm going to be at his feet, but I don't want to be turning my back to him because I'm so shamed. And there are some of us here that need to know right now that our lives are not what they ought to be. And our lives need to be conformed to his word because, you know, he's coming soon. He's coming soon for us, or he's coming soon in the air, but he's coming soon. And are you a student of God's word? Are you in connection with the living Lord? We're going to ask our team to come forward at this time and have their final song. May God bless you.